What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 127 of the Frameskip Podcast. I am Austin Eller, and I am joined this week by the one and only Seth Slakehouse. What's up, Seth? You know, you called me the one and only, right? You are the one and only. But what if I'm not? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I, I took a test a long time ago that said I have the rarest last name on earth really that that, that is real. what it said yeah i mean i'm sure there was a tie like you know there's there's a lot of last of name people out there yeah but i'm i am literally like if i don't have kids the slake house name dies that's how that that, that those are that's pretty interesting high yeah dude you gotta have kids like your <laughs> your, your whole family right. legacy comes crashing down if you don't my dad reminds me pretty consistently actually <laughs> <laughs> well so it's 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 because of the Ellis Island thing. Yeah. So like my actual name is, is like, it's like Jewish or something like that. There's a J instead of a K or something like that. And, um, it's Dutch. So interesting. Yeah. So like there really isn't many of us because of the, the misspelling of, of the Ellis Island thing. So I don't, I don't know. It, it, whatever. That's so fascinating to me though, because Andy, her last name uh basically what it came down to is there is not a single male with her last name left in their family so like it's all females man so there's like andy and her cousins are all female so there's not a single male that can pass on her last name it's over it's it's done it's already yeah it's it's come and gone so wow That's interesting, though. You know, I need to look into my last name more. I know it's it's German, but I don't know much about where it came from. Like, as far as it's always interesting, you know, when you hear like the I'm trying to think of, you know, you have the last names that mean something, you know, as far as like Miller, for example, like was associated with someone who was worked at a mill. Yeah, Smith, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But. I've always wanted to research more like where does Eller even stem? Like I know what it quote unquote means, but like how did it even start? I don't know. I need to research yeah. it some. <laughs> you know, I took I took a um ancestry DNA test. So I was gonna ask you. Um and it came out with like a really a lot of really interesting information. The reason I did it was to prove I don't know if I ever told you this story or not, to prove to my father yeah. that we're not Cherokee Indian. Because when I was graduating, when I was graduating high school, him and my grandmother did like this deep dive of of like our family tree and like contacting relatives and stuff. Yeah. Trying to figure out like how, how we're Indian and um, how my grandfather was like Cherokee. And they came up with like this, this absolute nonsense story of like this Cherokee princess that was. Oh my God! Um, bought as a slave, and, and that was my my pap's grandmother. And I'm thinking about this when when I'm like in my early 20s, and I'm like, Dad, <laughs> this doesn't even make sense. I'm like, you're, what you're telling me doesn't even make any historical sense whatsoever. Yeah. And I'm like, Do you know when the Civil War was? <laughs> and, and I'm and I'm like, 
this isn't this isn't historically accurate. And he's like, I'm telling you, this is the truth. I just got to go to the courthouse and, and get the, the, the mm-hmm. verification. And of course, like he never he never was able to get it. Yeah. And he for our whole lives and he wouldn't like accept it. So I got a DNA test and I'm like, look, we're there's zero percent Indian <laughs> in us. We're like German and Dutch and that's it. And and, and I'm, I'm like British from my mom's side and that's it. He's like, no, no, you can't trust those things. And I'm like, all right, dude, that is hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. I've always wanted yeah. to do one of those because um, my mom was adopted. So I don't really know anything about like her side of the family. I know uh, allegedly her mother and father were both from Ireland, but I don't mm. know if that's true. So I'd, I'd love to do the ancestry thing. Now, when you did it, I don't know if they do it on, on ancestry or if it's just um, 23andMe. Did you do the one where it was like, check your health like no possibilities i I probably should but maybe you know i might not want to know either i know that's where i'm at i'm like do i want to know what i could potentially fall ill to when i'm 65 years old or do i just want to leave it to fate i'm just gonna be thinking about it constantly you know the only one i the only one i would want to know is the alzheimer's thing because apparently if you get it early enough you can treat it but most people it's too late because your brain your whole life like um that's like, true counteracts the, the 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 effect of it well i know they just just this week they had some like breakthrough with that alzheimer's drug that shows that it's at least the the research is showing that it actually slows the development of alzheimer's that's like a big thing that came out this mm-hmm. week i saw so i don't think it's like approved by the fda or anything yet but i think it's actually getting close so that that would be something to know <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be that'd be phenomenal because i don't i don't like that at all that's that's a horrifying existence it is it is so anyway on to lighter things here not alzheimer's uh thank you all for for tuning in this week i know we're kind of streaming this show of course we do stream the show now as of our comeback a few months ago Streaming it kind of at an odd time this week, but, you know, schedules have been a challenge for us the past few weeks. And so Seth and I figured we'd get together basically as soon as we were able and get this out there for you guys. So thanks for for listening if you're watching us live or if you are, of course, streaming the show um, after the fact on YouTube or on our podcast services. But we've had a couple weeks off. Hopefully next week things are kind of more back to normal with more of the the. The hosts, I know Coach and George both have things going on this week, so it's just little, little less, and we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. So, Seth, I wanted to give you a chance up front. I know our big topic later on, we're going to talk about you know Star Wars here a little bit, but I know you've been playing a little bit more of Final Fantasy 16, maybe some other stuff going on that I'm unaware of, so I wanted to give you kind of a chance to talk a little more about that. Uh, before we get into to Star Wars. So tell us a little bit, Seth, what's what's your Final Fantasy 16 journey been like uh, after last episode where we talked about it a ton? Right. Um, so, yeah, I think the last episode, I I was pretty early on. I don't remember exactly where we what we talked about, because I've been talking about this game with all my friends for um, since it came out. I I'm really enjoying my time with final fantasy 16 um i think the characters and the world are phenomenal um i think in in terms of story it's such a breath of fresh air to have a jrpg that focuses on um, more adult and and a grim dark story instead of like the fantastical um adventure you know i'll i'll always love that but this is just a breath of fresh air and something that we don't normally see um and and i think that's really cool i think like clive and his his group of close protagonists are 
really well-written, well-developed characters. I think Kotaku's out of their mind for saying that Jill is a badly written character, especially when you get to like the halfway point of the game. Um, I agree. And, and totally. I, I think I, I don't, I don't understand that that reeked of someone who was either a clickbait fishing or um, B just didn't, didn't play the game past like the, the five hour mark where, where she is. Well, I don't, I don't want to spoil it. Um, but my, I, I do have some issues with the game that are starting to crop up in, I think I'm three quarters, maybe a little further in at this point. Uh, I didn't get a whole lot of time to, to, to play it last week, but the combat is starting to feel in, and of course I'm not talking about the boss fights. The boss fights are all phenomenal, Yes. but I'm talking about like the, the regular encounters. It's starting to feel really tiresome. In fact, I pretty much run past um, all the normal enemies in the field at this point because I'm using the same techniques that I used um, in the beginning of the game, and mostly like the charge strike, the normal combo, and and like the magic burst. And then you know I use my my icon abilities when um, when when they're up. But what I'm finding is that the the, the normal enemies in the game like they pretty much just don't attack you at all. Um, no. They're no threat whatsoever, and in a in a game that is a lot shorter, like I originally thought it was going to be, um, that wouldn't be that much of an issue. But now that I'm like 50 hours into this game, uh, I'm like I'm I'm kind of tired of fighting these normal enemies, and and just like it, it's it's almost mind numbing, right? It's almost like I could probably not even look at the screen and just use my like auto dash and combos and not have to worry about it at all so i don't i don't i've, I've stopped fighting them um I, I just gotta say on that note i totally agree with you i'm having the same problem and i'm not as far into the game as you are i'm only yeah i think my ps5 keeps telling me i'm like at about 55 percent. so i'm i really haven't progressed much the last couple of weeks to be honest with you it's just been a busy couple of weeks but I guess slight spoilers if you care about the names of characters that you fight, but I I am a little bit past the Koopka fight, so okay. you know a a little bit progressed there. But I totally agree with you. I mean, the second I feel like the second I got the Chocobo, I kind of was at a point where you know for me I was like, well, if I can just run past these guys, I don't feel like they're really adding anything to my game. They don't really give you much experience. No, they don't. They, that, that's the other thing, too, is that um, they've pretty much like you can grind in this game if you really want to. Yeah, but you really have to want to because the the experience you get from like battles and stuff is, is almost non existent. Yeah. Um, which, which I think is weird. What this game really could have benefited from was a deeper, more customizable base combat. And what I mean by that is like, yeah. give me another option other than the the same melee combo over and over and over again, um, because they they it's like they tried right. There's like some abilities in the game that they added in, but there's no real use for. For instance, the jump step in midair, you can like jump off the enemies in midair. I don't understand. I never use it. No, I I, I thought it was gonna be cool, and I those are my first abilities I actually got, and um. I've I almost never have never used it, and then there's the other one, uh, another air attack where it's like he slams his blade down, almost non-useful because it doesn't like flow well into your aerial combo or anything. Yeah. So it, it could have used a little more 
um, depth I, in that area, I think. I think they should have, you? you know, they've got the different, and I guess, again, slight spoilers if you care just about the overall systems. You've got the different, let's just say, special attack orbs, you know, that you can choose from that you unlock throughout the game. And those are kind of just like in God of War where you, you know, you hold down, I forget what it even is, R2, and you've got square or triangle to choose between as far as just like two special attacks that you can use. I think what it really should have had on top of that was basically exactly what you said. It should have had a more expansive center sword melee combat, no special ability yes. uh, tree that expands because you're totally right. I mean, once you hit five hours into the game, the actual base combat, excluding the specials, does not change whatsoever the rest of the game. Right. Um, and I, I, what, I, what I think about is, and I, I know people have compared this game to Devil May Cry a lot, and that's unfortunate because they are very different games, but Devil May Cry 5's combat is top tier. You know, you, you almost can't get much better than that. It's a phenomenal game. But what's been a mainstay in Devil May Cry for the past you know, two decades is Dante switching stances. And when he switches stances, his, everything changes. His whole gameplay style changes. So when you switch your icons, that's probably what should have happened. Instead of just changing your uh, magic element, which doesn't seem to have any effect anyway, and um, just your special attacks. I, I would have liked to see that. But what I will say is... Uh, but before I get on to like how I, I my my positives, I just want to say that my other negative is how hard the game pumps the brakes because you're in in a situation or a place in the game right now after the Kupka fight where the game pumps the brakes. It's so hard, dude. It slams so hard. That's why yeah. I'm like I haven't been playing and sorry to take over your your point but no. like i my biggest thing that i'd say with the game which and we'll talk about positives i still love it i still think it's a great game it's exactly what i've needed the past you know month or two my biggest issue is the pacing of the game is just all over the place i mean you go from these super super high points with you know the icon fights and the boss fights which are frankly just phenomenal some of the best boss fights boss fights I've experienced in a game recently. But then after each of those sequences, you'll get to these spots where like you're just doing random fetch quests for three, four hours. And yeah, and like I'm at that point now where it's just so uninteresting. Like I'm so I do not care at all about what's happening in the game currently. <laughs> yeah. And um their main quests, it's not like their side quests, their main quests. Um and dude, there, there's a there was a point in the game where I don't know where you're at, but you're essentially gathering parts for someone. And I'm doing that. I'm it on that. Is yeah that it, that was so mind numbing that Pedro Pedro was here when I was doing it, and I'm like, I don't give a shit about any of this. What's going on? And I was just like skipping through the text at some point because none of it mattered. It, like literally, I, I'm I'm about ten hours past that now. None of that mattered. It. it it was a complete filler arc. And what I think is what happened was I think they made this game and they made a really probably nice tight game. And some executive at Square was like, 
we can't release a 20 hour Final Fantasy. We have to pump this thing up. And what I'm noticing is that in these later sections, the, these, the side quests have actually gotten very good. Um, and I'm glad I did the ones earlier because they there's there's like part twos and even sometimes part three to the side quests, but you had to complete them earlier. Um, and and the, the ones that I'm at now are like are are getting very good. There's still like the, the, the kind of nonsense ones thrown in there, but they're they're a lot better. They build the world. I don't understand why they didn't put this level of effort and writing into the earlier ones because you definitely could have. Or you definitely could have cut the amount of side quests down a little bit. And I never thought I would be the guy that was like, this game has too much content in it. But when you have a game that has such a good, like, like such high highs, the low lows stick out. And it's hard to switch between them, you know? Uh, especially because... I just I can't ignore the side quests when they pop up for some reason. Like my brain just doesn't allow it anymore. <laughs> I used to be able to do it when I was like yeah. younger, but now now I have to pretty much complete everything because I'm like, well, what if I miss something important or um, what if, you know, there's some really cool. This is a cool one and I'm skipping it. So right. but what I will what I will say is. Um, during like most of the main quests. The writing is phenomenal and. Dude, the, the boss fights are some of the craziest shit I have ever seen in my life. Like, absolutely out of control. Um, some of those gorgeous cutscenes you can possibly imagine are a real return to form for visual quality in Final Fantasy because yes. I, I want to say... I mean, 13 was a really high-end-looking game. It still holds up to this day. And, and that's impressive considering it came out in, I think, 2009. Mm-hmm. But... The Final Fantasy series was known for being the best looking games out there for the longest time. The, the PS1 era Final Fantasy games were really pushing the envelope as far as visual quality and cutscenes go. And then they kind of fell off in recent years. Like I think I think straight up 15 is an ugly game. Oh, it doesn't I think look it's, that good. Yeah. It, no, it's boring and the animations are 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 really kind of weird well, and the lining's weird too and they've got some weird shadow system that like i'll never forget where it's pixelated at times like it i don't know it yeah. just it's really rough around the edges i think yeah I, I think and me and pedro it's funny we actually did like a massive four-hour breakdown we we played through final fantasy 15 all over again yeah we did like a massive four-hour breakdown podcast and i, I actually never uploaded it um, I need to do that, but I, I just it got got lost in in the move and stuff of Final Fantasy 15. I think that game straight up is just a bad game, and I was I had I've had a lot a lot of like revisionist history about it because yeah. I'm like there's no way it could be that bad. It's just missing something, and I went back through and played it all again, and that game sucks. It's like not good, and especially when you compare it to Final Fantasy 16. Where I'm like, this this is what Final Fantasy should feel like. Yeah. This like massive adventure that you're going on. And I I gotta say, man, I just I'm absolutely in love with it. I got the collector's edition all set up back here. This is my new um nice. Final Fantasy shelf that I set up the other day. And uh yeah, I'm 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 super I'm super stoked about it. I like I said, I'm glad that I'm in the part of the game where the side quests are better and I can kind of actually like enjoy them and I'm not just doing like crappy fetch quests um 
And and I I think I'm probably going to finish the game either tonight or if not tonight, probably tomorrow. So uh, other than that, I was, I've been in this final fantasy mood lately. So I, um, downloaded final fantasy four on my phone, which I bought like six years ago. Um, I bought the 3d remake of final fantasy four because I've never played it. I've never played it and beat it. And I've been playing that when I'm not home with my PS5. So that's pretty good. I mean, it's Final Fantasy IV. It's a classic Final Fantasy game. Mm-hmm. And and it's just, it's it's really good. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, I really like the characters. And I think they did a really good job for what they had at the time. I mean, they were, they were remaking um, a Final Fantasy game, one of the most beloved Final Fantasy games of all time, on... The regular DS, and it it looks really good for for that system. I was so. looking because I I swear I have that too on mobile, and I don't know that I ever played it. I think that was like, oh yeah, I I have an Android phone now. I can buy this, and then I, I yeah. don't think I ever did anything with it. But um, I'm actually looking. I bought it twice. I have it on uh, yeah, my phone I, and on Steam. I do have it. I do have it. So, um, but for for people that are wondering whether you should play the pixel remake or the mm-hmm. 3d remake. I looked into it before I got too far. Apparently it doesn't matter. It's all really? in what, what you prefer visually. Yeah. I mean, the 3d remake has like some actual animated cutscenes. Um, if you can tolerate like the aged 3d, like old school look, I think, I think it's cool. Um, but I, I can also understand if people prefer like the pixel remaster, but it it really doesn't matter yeah. which one you play. So. Yeah, I do want to buy the the Pixel Remaster at some point. I I wish it wasn't so expensive. I still feel like seventy five dollars is a bit of a hard pill to swallow. For I mean, I know yeah, they're agree. remade, but I mean, I don't know. That's it, it's just a lot of money. But at the same time, you get a a ton of of game time out of six Final Fantasy games for that price. So. I hope it goes on sale at some point. I do want to grab it. Well, I'm I'm skeptical because I am so sure that Final Fantasy VI is going to get remade. Yeah. So sure, dude. Um, the the rumored next game that's going to get remade is Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Square Enix, and I'm like, yeah, saw that coming because it's needed it for a long why time. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, why wouldn't they? It's one of the most beloved RPGs of all time. It's considered like the grandfather of the modern RPG. Um. And I just feel like Final Fantasy VI is right there. They're going to do some like Octopath Traveler yeah. style. Now, what do you feel? So I, I've had this dilemma in my in my head as well. How do you feel about people saying that 16 doesn't feel like a Final Fantasy game? I know you don't have that much history with the series. Yeah. The, but I've, I have a pretty intense take on this. I don't have a ton of history. I mean, I've played some of five, a good bit of seven, like 30 hours of seven. And then, of course... A lot of 14. I mean, I probably played 400 hours of 14, platinum 15, and now playing 16. So that's kind of my overall history with the series. But I mean, I the thing I'll say is it feels like Final Fantasy 14 to me. And 14 mm-hmm. to me feels just like a Final Fantasy game as far as the atmosphere and the way the characters are. Like, it just feels very Final Fantasy to me. So, no, I... I think it's way more of a Final Fantasy game than 15 is. Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. 
I, I need to yeah. play more of the old stuff, but from what I've played of five and seven, I mean it it feels like it fits in with that atmosphere, I guess. So I think this is one of these things that we see on social media once in a while, which is the feedback loop. Yep. Where people see it and and re because it doesn't make sense. First off, every Final Fantasy is completely different. Yeah. The, we, the Final Fantasy Dude, has look been, at ten. Like, yeah, Final Fantasy hasn't been straight turn based since ten, and even then, it's it's like very loosely active time battle turn based. Um, thirteen, I would argue, is not really a turn based game. It just it's based on the character's speed. Right. Um. And since then, I mean, 15 wasn't turn-based, 14's not turn-based, 11, 12's not turn-based. Um, and I just don't understand this because what did these people want? If you wanted a classic Final Fantasy game, Square has that. They've, they've, they've made that. Go play Bravely Default 2. That feels like Final Fantasy mm-hmm. 4, 5, and 6. You know? Um, You've also got Octopath in a way. I mean... Yeah, I just... I don't know what these people what, what these people want. Are they like you can't tell me that you've wanted a classic Final Fantasy game your whole life and then also ignore Bravely Default too because Bravely Default is straight up classic Final Fantasy. That's, well, that, was, that was the whole point, if I remember right. I mean, when they announced yeah. it, they were like, "Yeah, this is a classic Square turn-based RPG," which like we all know what that means. It's Final Fantasy, so. Yep. Um. Yeah, I don't know, got, man. Then you've got Tokyo RPG Factory, which their whole shtick, and they're they're Square Enix owned. Their whole shtick is making classic RPG games. So, like, that that is the that is the essence of the the classic RPG that you want why don't you playing that like well, final fantasy has always iterated on itself and dude i'll just say this i mean a series that's gosh it's got to be 30 years old at least right final fantasy i mean 35, 35 i think yeah yeah a series that's 35 old 35 years old and has technically far more than 16 mainline entries because you've got 10 2 and 13 2 and lightning returns i mean you've got just a multitude of i'd say almost 20 mainline entry games at this point wouldn't it be like, I don't know, this is just me talking as somebody who doesn't have a history with the series like you do, Seth, but wouldn't it be just endlessly boring for it to be the same game that it was, you know, 25, 30 years ago? I mean, I think it's good to yes. see some change. Yes, I don't, I don't know what they, what they're looking for. Like, this, this is, is such a weird argument to make because, like I said earlier, these games exist. These, right. these games exist and they're making a huge comeback. And you're mad that this particular one isn't turn-based or it's too action-focused. I mean, I can see the complaints that like it's not much of an RPG. I yeah, can see that. Right? I, I and I would agree with that. Actually, I don't think it really is. But that's okay. Yeah, the, the game is phenomenal. It's you not know? the point. Yeah, the game is phenomenal. Um, and in in all other ways, but the gameplay, this reeks of like Final Fantasy four. Yeah. Um. It's it's got elements of six in it, seven. I mean, this is this is a love letter to RPG or I guess to Final Fantasy fans of of, of old. So yeah. I'm 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 having a blast with the game. I, I really am. I have those negatives, but overall, this is one of my favorite Final Fantasy games. Yeah. 
Uh, just want to say Alden joins us now in the chat. What's up, Alden? Don't forget, if you're hey, listening buddy. to the show on our podcast services or after the fact, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find it at bit.ly slash frameskip live. So that's bit.ly slash frameskip live. And you can watch us as we record the show. But yeah, I just wanted to say on, on my end, really all I've been up to aside from playing Final Fantasy, and I, I hope to dig in more to it over the next couple of weeks because, and this is my last bit I'll say before we move on to our big topic here, I um, I went out and bought uh, Final Fantasy XII, the mm. uh, remake for the, the Switch. The Zodiac uh, Age is phenomenal. Yeah, so, and I kept going back and forth, like, do I want to play 7 after this or do I want to play 12? There's something about 12 that for some reason right now is really pulling on me. I don't know why. But I've been watching a lot of the gameplay of it on YouTube, and it's just like it's sitting behind me, waiting to go the second I'm done with 16. So. <laughs> Dude, 12 is is such an interesting entry in the yeah. Final Fantasy series from like a history point of view, because there is so much revisionist history mm -hmm. about Final Fantasy. 12. That's what I've been reading. People hated Final Fantasy 12, hated it, and when the Zodiac Age came out, everyone's like, oh. I love Final Fantasy XII. I'm like, no, you didn't. You guys, no, you did not. You guys all hated Van, and you hated Final Fantasy XII, and I did. Um, it was not. It was not the game I was looking for. Really, what, what was going on back then? I think was, um, we didn't have any turn-based RPGs coming out when Final yeah. Fantasy XII came out. It was. A, it was a dry. And Final Fantasy XII came out, and it was just this weird, like, like entry in the series. And, you know, it, we didn't have the, the plethora of releases that we have today. There wasn't 100 games coming out every week, right? So when Final Fantasy XII came out and we put it in, it was like this, this, this game that we weren't expecting. Like, we all expected a sequel to 10. Yeah. You know? Um, I, I guess, you know what I mean? Like, the next right. like, iteration. And right. it was very different. So it's it's kind of similar to I think what's going on with Final Fantasy 16 but the, the the 16 thing doesn't have a whole lot of weight behind it because you do have those games when 12 came out and people right. hated it it was very different but that's awesome you picked up 12 you should you should get in there there's a lot of weird things about 12 you should look up some of the trivia about that game because there's like weapons you can miss that like like the legendary weapons and stuff if you just just because you didn't know they were there, they they made twelve to be sort of like an MMO drop rate type thing. That's kind of what um, I was reading. Is it's almost like a yeah. faux MMO in a way, which yeah, I like because that's what I mean. In a way, that's kind of like what Xenoblade Chronicles is. It kind of plays that yeah. same same yeah way. Um, yeah, there's like a whole lot of like rumors about the, the development of twelve and stuff. A lot of people think that Bosch was originally the main character. Hmm. Um. Because Van is just sort of like a blank protagonist. There's not a whole lot going on there. Yeah. Which is like unlike most Final Fantasy games. Usually Final Fantasy games have like these pretty deep protagonists. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's awesome. You should definitely play 12. Yeah. 12's, 12's cool looking back on it. Uh, and I, like I said, I still want to play 7 and Crisis Core and the remake at some point. But there's just something about 12 that's like, I don't know. I'm finding it really interesting right now. So Evilise. And if you dive into 12, I'm telling you this right now. If you dive into 12, you're going to come back to 14. <laughs> Dude, I think that's what it is, though, is like 
it's close enough to 14 seeing this the systems and the way the game works i keep telling myself i don't have time for 14 so i've somehow convinced myself 12 is going to work since it's single player but i know well, i know that's going to happen i know i'm going to play 12 and i'm going to because i'm already feeling that with 16 you know yeah. again not to spoil a whole lot but the kupka fight like there are moves that are straight up ripped from 14 in that fight and mm -hmm. just playing through that i was like man I really wish I could go back to 14. Dude, well, the reason I say that, though, is because they, and I think it was either in, I think it was late, late Stormblood, maybe the last Stormblood big uh, content patch. It was an Ivalice patch, which is the world that 12 and Tactics take place on, and also a PS1 RPG that they made called uh, Vagrant Story. But... Essentially, what they did was they tied Tactics and 12 together and they did it in a really cool way. And you go back to the main city in 12 in, um, in Final Fantasy 14. And there's, it's, it's a massive. That's rate. amazing. And they, they added a lot of lore and stuff like that. Um, it's really, really cool. So, yeah. 14 is like skirting really around my peripherals. It's like waiting to pounce. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so close to pulling the trigger and like getting back into it. But I, I've got to wait and like experience some more of 16 and do some single player stuff first. I don't for, know. For, well, then that, that's a nice thing about 14 as well, is that they've essentially made this living game that you can jump into at any time because the content does not get old and expire. Um, because the currency you need for the end game stuff you get by running old content. So they, they've really made this rich ecosystem with 14 where you can jump in at any time and get caught up and jump out. And, you know, whenever you get that itch, jump back in. You don't have to, you don't have to commit to like these rigorous schedules and stuff like that you need for like the end game stuff. And wow. Um, but I play 14 when I've got pretty much nothing else to play. So it's it's been a long time because I've been diving into the trail series, which is just hundreds of hundreds of hours of RPG madness. Um, but yeah, I feel the itch to go back to 14 as well because I never played the latest expansion. And I think you stopped at Stormblood. Uh, I think I finished Heaven's Word. Is what's after Heaven's Word? Stormblood. Okay, yeah, I'd never got into Stormblood at all. But cool. I think I'm in that patch area after the Heaven's Word main story before Stormblood. So. Yeah, I don't know if you know this. They made it so you can play the whole all the dungeons and everything single player. Yeah, you know, I did see that. And now every this whole past five minutes has convinced me that I need to play 14 again. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you can't do the raids single player, Dude. but you can do all the other content. Single I know player. I'm dying to get back in there, man. That That world is so good. Mm -hmm. it's so good and the story dude oh my god Shadowbringers is it's funny because Shadowbringers isn't even a mainline Final Fantasy game and it has a plot and a story and writing that is better than most Final Fantasy games Shadowbringers is it came out and it got massive accolades and that's what you know had me go back to Final Fantasy yeah. 14 and I was so happy I did, man. Shadowbringers was absolutely phenomenal. And just playing through that whole thing, because I had stopped playing Final Fantasy XIV when me and you were playing yeah. at the end at the end of A Realm Reborn. Um, 
And there was so much content for me to go through. And I just, I sat there one month for maybe more than a month for hundreds of hours and just blasted through all this content. I had so much fun. Um, it was what it's, it's like, and it's funny. I don't know if I ever, I think, I, I think I did tell you this. I was living with Pedro and Robert at the time mm-hmm. and they thought I was like horribly depressed because <laughs> every waking moment, I just be in the dark playing final fantasy 14, but I was just having the time of my no, life. I you was were just like, in love with final fantasy yeah, 14. I was, I was having an absolute blast. They thought I was like, they, they were like having like, like meetings being like, you know, maybe we should like, like have like an intervention and like talk to Dude, him. And that is like, so yeah. funny. Yeah, and they they, told, they didn't tell me about it until like way later, and I was like, no, I'm 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 just vibing, I'm having a blast. Oh my god, yeah, that game is is phenomenal. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to go back to it at some point. I think you should. It's it's, you should. it's been on the mind. Did they ever do the graphics patch? I know that was something they had talked about. I think it was last year, but maybe mm-hmm. it's gonna be the next expansion where that that comes. I think I think they did. I'm okay. not I'm not exactly positive. I'll tell you what I'm dying to try though is apparently it works really well on Steam Deck. Ooh, so nice. that is a that is a, a dangerous scenario. Yeah, because yeah. if if I can play that bad boy on Steam Deck, it's going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from that though, uh, going back to kind of what we've been up to, you know, aside from 16 for me, Final Fantasy 16. The other thing I've been doing the past couple weeks is trying to get caught up on Star Wars: The Clone Wars, which kind of brings us to our main uh, topic here. I um I've seen most of the Clone Wars when it aired. I watched it as it aired on Cartoon Network week by week. And so I've seen through the end of season 5, but that was like 15 years ago, so I don't really mm-hmm. remember it super well. We are I think about 10 episodes into season 4, we're on the um where you meet uh Master Krell for the first time on Ambara. Um, oh. Oh god, that is a that is a good arc. It is. It is. So we watched the first episode of that arc a couple days ago and I do remember this arc and it is one of the best for sure. Mm-hmm. So, but we um we kind of powered through it. We we slowly started watching it like maybe a couple years ago and just have gotten on and off the train a few times, but I think we're finally on it like full speed ahead now. We watched about a season in the past week. I think we were halfway through season three and now we're halfway through season four. So nice. we've gotten quite a bit further. And I think what's helped with that is we're finally at the point where Ahsoka like begins to show more character development. You know, she's gotten mm-hmm. her, her two blades at this point. She's a little older now and in the timeline. So that to me is what makes it a little more enticing for both of us to watch. And, you know, the, frankly, the arcs in season four and onward or season, season three and onward, in my opinion, are where they, they get really, really, really good. So, um, that is the, um, that is the start. The root of modern star Wars is, is in the clone wars and mm-hmm. every, everyone should watch it. dude. It's so, so good. Um, I can't wait for you to watch the final season of clone wars because it's insane. There's a, there's a a really bad arc in that yeah um, season, but it's really really good. I'm, I'm I'm stoked you're watching it, dude. Yeah, man. It's it's um I don't know. It's just been an addiction recently. Like it's been fun to go through and and see all this stuff. And there even in season three, which we just finished, there were so many good arcs there that I totally forgot about. Like the um the arc with Ventress 
kind of turning away and you know the creation of savage that whole arc is awesome Mm-hmm. And then you've got the the final two arcs or final two episodes rather of season three, which is the Jedi or uh, Padawan Lost episode, where it's Ahsoka gets taken and she's on that other planet and trying to get back. Super super good, yeah. You know, kind of duology with those episodes. Um, yeah, and, and that's the cool thing about Clone Wars is they made them in small uh, bite sized arcs. Mm-hmm. And they really made it so that if you're not interested in an arc, you can you can skip it. Yeah. And that's what that's what I do when I rewatch Clone Wars. I, I there's a couple arcs that I'm like, nah, I'm not really interested in this. And I just kind of skip over it. Um, but so what, you're you're getting close to the end here of Clone Wars. What are you going to do when you finish Clone Wars? Is there a, a next project you want to jump into? Or? Oh, well, we got to hit Rebels next. I mean, for sure, that's got to be like, there's no question about it. We've got to hit Rebels next. I, we are mm-hmm. definitely not going to finish in time for Ahsoka. Like, it's just not going to happen, sadly. So I'll probably have to hold off on Ahsoka discussions until, you know, late this year, if I had to guess by the time we get through everything. But I'm going to I'm going to tell you this. Mm-hmm. Rebels is a is a is a it's going to be a dramatic tone shift. Yeah. After going from the Clone Wars and um it's gonna be a hard watch at first but overall when you combine packages i really think rebels is a better show than clone wars uh i i absolutely love rebels uh, the, all the characters and rebels became some of my favorite star wars characters of all time yeah and i'm really stoked for them to come back in ahsoka but with rebels because it's not an anthology show it's a it's a week to week these characters got developed slowly over four years and they they expanded the cast slightly, but they never really expanded it past like the base five or six main characters. Right. So you know these characters really got a lot of character development over these years, and um, it's so good, man. It's so good. But I, I will say it's it's a hard switch because like even the art style switches and the lightsabers look very different. Um, but once you get used to it and you kind of get past the the rocky beginning of season one. It's really good. So. Yeah, yeah, well, and I'm sure it's even going to be more challenging for us because we're going through and we're going to watch season seven of Clone Wars, which are, mm-hmm. I already know just from conversations is extraordinarily dark compared to most of Clone Wars as a whole. So, well, it's also extraordinarily high budget. It is. So the animation quality in season seven is insane. Yeah. And then you then you go to Rebels and it's like a regular cartoon show. It's like, oh, okay, well, that sucks, but yeah. So we'll see. I'm I'm excited to get to Rebels. I will say this: like at some point, I do want to watch Tales of the Jedi as well. I don't know. I guess I'll probably wait till after Rebels to do that. It, you can watch all of Tales of the Jedi in one sitting. It's only like six episodes, I think. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, season two's coming out soon. Or it's already out. I don't know. I don't know which one. Is it still is season two? Honestly, I haven't looked at season two at all. Is it still about Dooku and Ahsoka or is it going to be different? That's. Um, so Tales of the Jedi, each episode is its own individual story. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So there's like an episode of that, that covers like Dooku and Qui-Gon Jinn. There's an episode that covers Ahsoka and Anakin, Ahsoka's origin story. Okay. Um, what happened to Yaddle? I think that's 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 for some reason in my head. I was thinking it was split into two parts, like half about Dooku and half about 
Ahsoka, but I guess I was. I mean, overall, thematically, I guess. That's probably true. But they're they're each their own individual, like bite sized yeah. stories. They're, they don't they don't cover like from week to week. Um, I, you know, so. I, I did want to ask you this. I'll, I'll to wrap up that, I suppose I'll probably still watch Rebels first just so that we can get to Ahsoka mm-hmm. as soon as possible. But I, I do want to watch Tales of the Jedi at some point and Bad Batch as well. I mean, I'd like to watch Bad Batch. I know the most recent season got pretty good reviews. So, yeah, I, I just can't get into Bad Batch. I'm just not a, I'm not a clone trooper guy. Yeah, I know. Like a lot of people love them. I'm just it's just not my thing. But yeah, I, did, I just looked it up. Uh, Tales of the Jedi. It's one season right now. There's a second season announced. It's six episodes. They're all 15 minutes apiece. Oh, so dude, that's easy to plow it's, through. Yeah, it's it's pretty bite sized. Nice. And they're really good. They're really high quality. OK. So, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll watch it then at some point uh, before yeah. Ahsoka. But I did want to say or I did want to ask you rather, what is season six of Clone Wars like? Because that is the one that's kind of an outlier for me as far as I know. Initially, that was the season where it, the show had been canceled. It ended after season five and then they released, I want to say, season six exclusively on Netflix and Blu-ray as like the lost episodes. Is there any are there good arcs in season six? Because I, I really I can't recall hearing much about that season. I'm looking at it right now. So season six. Yeah, there's good episodes. Um, yeah, I just I trying don't know. To, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure it out here because when what season was Ahsoka's trial? That would be season five because season five is where yeah, she okay. leaves at the end. Because technically that felt like the finale, really. Yeah. And then in season six, she's not really in it much at all, if I remember correctly. But season six is also short. It's only 11 episodes. Yeah. Or no, 13 episodes. There is, there is a lot of good stuff in there. Okay. I do remember watching it and it feeling a little bit um, odd. But yeah, they're, they're, these are good episodes. These are worth watching. Yeah, because I remember very clearly at the time, like, again, I, I watched it as it aired, and I remember watching that finale of season five, where Ahsoka leaves at the end, and then, like, the show got canceled at that point, it just ended, and mm-hmm. at, at least at that time, and then they, I think it was maybe a year or two later, they came back and said, hey, we're gonna, we have these 12 or 13, however many episodes it is, that never aired, and we're going to release them on DVD only and on Netflix only. And we're going to call them the lost episodes. So it wasn't until somewhat recently, I feel like, that they started calling it season six. I guess whenever they... Probably when it came to Netflix. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at this right now. So just the first arc of season six adds a lot of okay. context to Order 66 and the Clone Troopers. Nice. Um, And... I'm looking. Yeah, it, it pretty much just sets up season seven as okay. well. That's interesting. And and, and there's that. a final there's a final arc that deals with Yoda that's really good as well. So yeah, it's cool. definitely it's definitely a, a good season. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it. I just frankly I have never heard much about it. So, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I I wanted to while we're talking about Clone Wars here, I wanted to kind of take this opportunity to talk about something that kind of went down this past week week or two. I guess it's been. Uh, some comments actually that um, Disney CEO Bob Iger made on a recent, um, I don't know if it was a, a investor's call or, or what it was exactly. I think he was speaking to to some of the stakeholders, but 
he basically came out and said they're looking to um, reduce the amount of content that they're making for Disney Plus and potentially bring down the budget for some of those, whether it's TV shows or films on Disney Plus. And I know he specifically has mentioned Marvel and Star Wars. And so I wanted to kind of ask you, you know, we've had all this these announcements with Star Wars recently. You know, we've got the the Ray movie coming up. We've got other, you know, little mini series here and there as far as like the whole Filoni-verse capstone at some point. I know, you know, that whole thing, the the movie that Dave Filoni is going to work to, you know, kind of collide Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Boba Fett, all that into a single finale that's coming. Um, and then I know we've got other stuff, too. I know there's that Skeleton Crew show, which, frankly, I know nothing about and a few other things. So I want to ask you, though, Seth, I guess just kind of a general question. What do you think, especially considering the comments we've heard from Bob Iger? What does the future of Star Wars look like? I mean, do we do we get a break again at some point? Do we get less per year? I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the franchise. So, first, I want to answer with a, with a, with a question. Aside from the Star Wars and Marvel properties. And, and also Frozen, what has been the last really groundbreaking Disney movie that came out that you can think of? Oh, Lord. So excluding Star Wars, Marvel, and Frozen. Yeah, because everyone knows Frozen's massive, right? But like, like other than that. Ooh, that is such a great question. I mean, I'd say the most recent would yeah, like probably one. be like as far as massive scope, you know, massive changes to the film industry, massive importance, probably Toy Story 1 because that was the one that was really groundbreaking when it came to CGI. I mean, a lot of their other CGI movies just kind of continued the process. They didn't change anything per se. Yeah, I mean, I would say... Disney has fundamentally changed as a company and they made frozen and had a massive success on their hands. Right. And then after that, they did this, the huge shift as a company. And I say that because in the last couple of years, Disney has taken an absolute bath on their high production movies. So I think just this year alone, um, both The Little Mermaid and Indiana Jones are, are going to come out as losses. Um, and that's a problem. I mean, I keep I keep seeing how terrible Indiana Jones did at the box office. And I just saw a thing recently that said The Little Mermaid is projected to lose upwards of like 50 to 100 million dollars overall once you include like the advertising and everything. So. I think Bob Iger's doing his job as a CEO being like, where can we cut costs? Yeah. No, because they're, they're probably looking at it, especially like this Marvel stuff. And dude, I, I know I'm a, I'm a, a big grump when it comes to like comic book superheroes and stuff like that these days, but the superhero fatigue thing, it's real. People are tired of it. 
um I, I mean and you hear this from everybody now is that like you know they didn't watch the latest marvel shows you know they don't even know what's going on in phase four of marvel or phase five of marvel um and disney's seeing these numbers they can see the numbers of everything everyone's watching they're probably like well no one's no one's yeah. watching the marvel shows so we obviously got to cut these back and we only get negative feedback from the star wars shows i know they i, I saw that um the mandalorian season three dropped in viewership by like quite a lot compared to season two yeah um i was just gonna say quickly for reference on a numbers standpoint sorry to interrupt you the yeah. indiana jones uh five its opening weekend was $60 million at the box office. It had a nearly $300 million budget. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure it's it's a little more than $60 million now, but I bet it's not even going to come close to even remotely yeah. making back its money at all. Yeah, we're talking about massive losses. And yep. this is a, a grave that Disney has dug themselves. I mean, it's like... I don't, I don't want to quote Colin Moriarty on this but like he says very honestly and i i think i could too could write a better star wars trilogy than what we got for the sequel trilogy an absolute mess yeah it's all over the place no oversight i cannot believe when you look at star wars and now indiana jones now i've said many times before i think star wars is on a rebound course right now i think i think they're doing fantastic i really love the mandalorian um but I cannot believe Kathleen Kennedy still has a job. I really can't. And I'm, I'm not. I, like, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not one of these people that hate Disney Star Wars. But at some point, you have to be like, where are these losses coming from? You know. And if I was them, I'd be looking at Kathleen Kennedy and being like, how did this happen? Right? Because. I think like you can look directly at the sequel trilogy as the reason there's there's so much exhaustion in the Star Wars community right now. Um, well, there's always been toxicity in the Star Wars community. There has, but you you cannot release a steaming pile of absolute crap like the sequel trilogy and not expect this to happen. And I get it. You guys pulled back your movies and you're focusing on what people love and you, you know, you're bringing back the Mandalorian and nostalgia and, and Ahsoka is a, is a widely beloved character. And, you know, I think I'm sure the the new Ahsoka series is going to be great. And I, I listen, I defend the Obi-Wan series a lot. I really think that that series gets way too much hate, but it was weird. No, I don't there disagree. Was, there were there weird was stuff, sequences that felt yeah, very it, odd. It was weird, and I don't know what was going on with Obi Wan. Um, and I, I can I, there. I ov- overall, I still think that series is phenomenal, and I loved watching it. Um, but there is some really cringy stuff in that that series that I'm like, who did this? Who directed this? Who was who approved this? You know, you couldn't edit this to make it look better. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on internally. I'm not. I'm not one of these guys that's like a pundit that's that's trying to like analyze like the inner like rumors of like Lucasfilm and stuff like that. But there, it, this whole thing reeks of like internal turmoil. And you, you you've gotten all these um, these rumors of not Dave Filoni, but the other dude. Um, oh, uh, John Favreau. 
John Favreau like like wanting out. Yeah. And it's been rumored for years that like he's like fed up with like the 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 internal turmoil at Lucasfilm. And I'm like this cannot be this hard. The the world is already built. You just have to put stories inside of it. Look at and I look at something like Jedi Survivor and I'm like this would have made a phenomenal show. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the plot is phenomenal in Jedi Survivor. Why is this and it feels so like difficult? Star Wars. Yeah, and why is this so difficult for for them to make as a as a television show? But what I will say is I think to to come back around to your initial question, I think a lot is riding on the Ahsoka show. Like a massive amount because this is like their break glass in case of emergency card, right? Like well, Ahsoka is one of the last things that they haven't like really messed up in star Wars. And I think that they're like, all right, we're going to do this Ahsoka show and it's got to work. And I think it will. It looks phenomenal. It really does look like a classic expanded universe star Wars, but you know, listen, man, Disney has been slapping Star Wars fans that have been fans of the series for 40 years in the face since they got it. Like they, they really have treated Star Wars fans poorly. And I like, so listen, I get it. That community is extremely toxic, but also you bought Star Wars. And the first thing you did was wipe out their favorite stories in the EU. You know, like you, like someone should have known that, this was going to be an issue right off the bat. Um, so I don't know. Are they going to take a break? I think, I think it depends on, on Ahsoka, but maybe they should, maybe, maybe they should make people want star Wars a little bit once in a while, you know? See, okay. That's, that's my whole problem with not just star Wars, but with Marvel as well is we're getting to a point where Star Wars not as bad. I mean, it it was rough around the the sequel trilogy because we were just getting slammed with movies. But the MCU, I mean, it feels like we're being force fed at this point. Like, yeah, just constantly. I mean, constant, constant, constant movies. You know, you've got Guardians that just came out, and then less than a month later, you've got this the Secret Invasion show, and then like in a month or two, we've got the Marvel. So it's just it never stops. So my problem with Marvel, and I still watch everything because, like, I've kept up with it for so long at this point that, I don't know, I guess I just feel obligated. <laughs> but, Sunken cost fallacy, dude. Sunken cost yeah. fallacy. But the the problem is, those movies, and I guess in this scenario now, we've got the TV shows, they should feel like an event. That's mm-hmm. what makes both Star Wars and the MCU, that's what made the MCU work so well early on, is that... You know, we might get a couple movies per year, but you could kind of pick and choose depending on what the characters you were interested in and the stories that you cared about. But they should feel like an event. And Star Wars has lost that to me as well. I mean, I mean, The Mandalorian's exciting. You know, it's exciting to see The Mandalorian come back every three-ish years, two, three years. You know, that's enough time in between for me. I don't think Star Wars is quite there yet, but I I think we were at a point with the sequel movies with Rogue One with Solo where we were just getting slammed. Like there was nothing special about Star Wars anymore at that point. We were not anticipating the movies because it was just getting shoved down our throat. And right. I hope that 
Iger's comments indicate that, you know, maybe we get one series a year, one movie a year, because I think it just makes it so much more special. The yeah, problem is, though, they're trying to make money. And so right. who knows where all that ends up? Well, like, and I think that 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 goes to, like, my point, though, is that when you strip creative passion from something and focus on the IP itself to make money, you really do lose, you lose it. It's happened over and over again. I mean, you need people that, that want to make Star Wars. That's what you need. Um, Dude, it's literally need- what happened with the sequel trilogy. I mean, it feels yeah. like those movies were just made to be made. Like there was yeah. no overarching plot, as we know. Yeah. They just existed to make money was what it felt like. Yeah, you need creative passion to to make money. And you cannot just rely on like these classic Hollywood writers, which, you know, they're great. These these guys like JJ Abrams, they've made really phenomenal projects. Ryan Johnson, he's made really phenomenal projects. They don't care about Star Wars. That's not their that's not their baby, you know? Dave Filoni cares about Star Wars. That is his whole thing. He loves Star Wars. So by allowing him to write these movies or or direct them, you're going to get a better product and you're going to be able to make money because he's speaking to Star Wars fans. Ryan Johnson, when he made The Last Jedi, wanted to subvert expectations is the classic quote he used, right? But like, why would you do? Why would you want to do that? It's, it's, It's the like there's a good twist ending to things, right? But when your whole goal walking into a theater is like, I'm going to upset the people that are coming to watch my movie. What, why would you want to do that? You're just ruining star Wars. You know, it's no wonder Disney canceled his trilogy. Why would I mean like, dude, I was watching just slightly off topic, but I was watching this. Some guy on YouTube made a super cut and it's the video is called like all the times Mark Hamill tried to warn us about the last Jedi. Yes. And everybody's seen it at this point. But that video yep. is amazing because seriously, it's 45 minutes of Mark Hamill being like, uh, yep, this is not Luke. This is yep. not my character, but Ryan Johnson wants it to be this way. So here we are. And that's literally him saying that over and over again for 45 minutes, um, yep. just in a series of interviews throughout the years. So I don't know. It's um, here's my concern. But, uh, so, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so I, I meant to, to tie everything together. My point is, is that I don't think Disney makes passion projects anymore. And I think they need to go back to making passion projects because Disney is still riding on the coattails of their massive explosion from the 90s and early 2000s. And that that is what made them a household name. Everyone knows the princesses and, and like the movies like Hercules and Pocahontas and the Lion King and Dude, when, when we were staying at the Art of Animation, the movie they were playing at the pool at night was like The Lion King and Toy yeah. Story 1. And it's like, yep, that, that's because they, that's what people want to see, you know? Um, and it's like, man, it, it sucks because now it, they, they've turned into like this, this blank face corporate entity and they've always been out to make money, but they didn't strip away the passion before. Now there's nothing, there's nothing there. 
I don't know what is going on in phase four Marvel. All I know is that none of it looks interesting. You know, I, are they done with phase four? Are they on phase five now? Or they are on, on phase five. Yeah. Yeah. None of it looks interesting at all. It's been all over the place. I mean, it's totally been all over the place. I mean, you can kind of begin to see where the plot is going a little bit, but it's just, it's too much. Like it's yeah. way too much. You know, we've been watching Secret Invasion, which is the current show, and I don't know, man. Like it's fine, but it's not Secret Invasion. That that event in the comics, I uh, I loved. Uh, you know, really really good series, really really good event, and I don't know. <laughs> Just for <laughs> without going into my complaints about the show, basically my my whole issue with it is it's about Nick Fury, mm-hmm. like exclusively, yet. Scrolls are invading the earth and getting superpowers and you don't see a single like hero anywhere. It's just I don't know it, it point being it doesn't s- seem like they fully know what they're doing with the MCU. I'd, I'd be curious to see where it all ends up. But it's just what it comes down to for me and, and I agree with you. It seems like the stuff that they're making again just to reiterate is simply out there to try and make money. It does not seem like something like secret invasion is a passion project for the writer of that show i mean it it doesn't feel at all like the initial content that it's based off of so and it's okay to make money right it is you can't you can't also strip away all the creativity from a project as well no you know absolutely that's, that's that's the other half of it it's important so it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, I, I hope that Ahsoka succeeds. I'll be honest. My, I, I think it's going to be a, a great show. I mean, based off the trailers, it looks fantastic. And, you know, continuing on with Rebels where the story lies off. I mean, I know that's going to make a lot of people happy and, you know, seeing because mm-hmm. it ended kind of on a cliffhanger. So I'm, I'm looking right. forward to seeing what happens from a story standpoint. What I will say, though, that is a slight concern of mine is you know people love the clone wars people love rebels but i i still don't know and i could be wrong i don't know that those shows have have penetrated the the casual star wars audience that typically makes star wars the money that you know it typically makes i could be wrong about that but i feel like it's more of like you and i type people that are really into clone wars and rebels what I what I'll say about that is, yeah. is there a casual Star Wars audience anymore? That's true. I don't think there is. That's true. I, I really don't. I I don't think there is. I mean, I That's don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that what I would consider like a casual Star Wars fan that's like going to just see a good movie, you know, or is like, oh yeah, I, I like Star Wars when I was a teenager, and is like even slightly interested in any of the new stuff. So I don't I don't think there is this casual Star Wars fan anymore. I think I think this is all that's left. That's probably what they're seeing. And that's probably why they're, they're cutting their, uh, the projects down. Yeah, that's true. That didn't know that that is a really good point. So, yeah, I don't know, man. We'll see. I'm, I'm excited for Ahsoka. I, as I mentioned earlier though, like the skeleton crew thing, I don't. Yeah. I don't know that. And, and I know people really loved Andor, but at the same time, it's like stuff like that. I feel like needs to be trimmed out. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Watch Andor. Maybe I'm wrong. But like that one character from Rogue One that was very niche. I just yeah, I don't know. 
I, I can't watch Andor. <laughs> I tried several times, and I'm like, this is just too slow, and it's a character I don't care about. So yeah. it is what it is. So anyway, we'll see what happens with Star Wars. Excited to keep watching Clone Wars more. I'm sure I'll update the show as I regress. So I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you all for listening. Of course, we are typically live every either Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on the week, on our YouTube channel at about 8 p.m. Eastern time, whichever day it is. I know next week uh, we are recording today on a Wednesday, so next week it should be the 25th, Tuesday, at 8 p.m. So you should be able to catch us then at that time on our YouTube channel. Again, you can find that if you one, if you just go on YouTube and search Frameskip Podcast, it should co- come up. But you can also go to bit.ly slash frameskip live so that's bit dot ly slash frameskip live and that'll take you right to our youtube channel so make sure you subscribe and hit the little notification thing it'll notify you on your phone uh when we go live on the channel so aside from that though if you are watching this live or if you've watched us on youtube you can subscribe to the podcast on pretty much any podcast service spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, all that good stuff Go follow us there. And if it's on a platform where you can leave a review, please do so. That That is always appreciated. So I am on Twitter at Austin J. Eller. Seth is at Seth the 90s Kid. And then George, who is not here right now, is at Purple Bird. Uh, or rather, he is at Shortbox Summary on uh, on Twitter. So go check. Oh, did he change his Twitter handle? I think he's using the Shortbox Summary one now, I believe. Well, he, he that, that that's the Purple Bird six one six. The other one was GB Loftus forever. Okay, maybe it is Purple Bird six one six. So yeah, just just look up Shortbox Summary or Purple Bird six one six. It is one of the two. So um, go check him out there. And then of course the show is also on social media at Frameskip Pod on pretty much everything: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So go follow us there. And with that, we'll be back soon. To talk more about whatever it is that's going on in the world of nerdy things as we have for the past hour. So (laughs) thank you all for listening. We'll catch you later. Take care, everybody.